One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast. Code acast. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, hello everyone, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Lower League Look National League podcast. I've realised I've not said it this week. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, whenever the hell you might be listening to this. I am Grant, as you all know, the big Scottish prick that does this, as well as Aaron. Welcome back again, my friend. How are you? Hello, mate. Hello. I was wondering how you were going to intro that because you went the big Scottish prick, and I was thinking. Is he going to make a disabled joke? Is he going to make a Mancunian joke? But you just you just said, hello, my friend. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not the one that makes disabled jokes here, mate. That is you. I'll leave the disabled jokes for you. And you can also I, make I, jokes about me being locked out of my house on Friday night. I'd just like to clear my name, by the way. I make jokes about myself, not any other disabled people ever. So please don't come for me. Please don't cancel me because all the jokes are on me. <laughs> yeah, that is very, very true. And... I'll make all the jokes about me being locked out of my house and phoning the entire lower league look group chat and trying to get them to tell them to let me in my house on Friday night after me being absolutely smashed. That was eventful, wasn't it? Aaron, let me in, you massive cunt. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went. Um, yeah, that was an entertaining night and I won't be drinking like that again for a long, long time. What a time to be alive. Oh. God. Anyway, shall we get into this week's action, mate? Because I mean, normally we cover like four or five games, but there's there's been a lot of big scoring games this weekend to talk about, and a lot of things have, have yes, happened, mate. hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, goals flying everywhere. Like, I feel like this season, especially, it's just been it's been a division you can't really take your eyes off top to bottom, and it just keeps on getting better and better week on week. And you know, obviously. You had the, like some pretty big standout games today. Obviously, one we have to touch upon, but we'll I will take a bit more of a deep dive of it in our show on Thursday. But obviously, it was, I guess that's where we're going to start, right? One and two, um, 
Chesterfield versus Bromley? I think there's no better place to start than the very, very top. I mean, you and Lauren rightly picked this as the game of the week. I think it was an absolute no-brainer that this was going to be the game of the week. But did you expect it to be a 4-3 Bromley win? No, no, especially... Especially in with the two teams like conflicting forms going into the game, you know, we've said for weeks Bromley was slowing down a little bit, you know, struggling a little bit, and we'll, you know, because the talk going into the game from us on the preview on the um, preview show was was is it going to be ban its week to take second spot, you know, so that tells you everything you need to know how how sort of patchy um, Bromley have been in the last couple of weeks, but look, it was just an absolute. It was an absolute ding dong, weren't it? And um, oh. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because I don't think any Chesterfield fan will be listening to this overly arsed right now. Really, obviously, it's it's a, it's a bad to chuck away the position that they were in, I guess. But like, you know, they're still they're still twenty points clear or whatever it is. Exactly, still twenty points clear. They've still got a game in hand over Barnet, who are in third on fifty nine points. If they win their game in hand over Bromley, they'll jump into second anyway. But they still get such a gap. I mean, a nineteen if they win that, a nineteen point gap still to, to potentially yeah. net second place. It's not really must. Is it a such thing as a must win game for Chesterfield anymore this season? No, I think I would just say I think in their head the must win game for them because of how obsessed the fan base are with us is probably winning the league at Boundary Park in a couple in like a month's time. That's what probably what they class as a must win game, really. Um, yeah. But but look, they're gonna do it. We we can we speak to a blue in the face about this Chesterfield side. They're one of the best to ever be in this division, if not the best in my opinion. And yeah, like it's just a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a case of when they do it. But in terms of in terms of confidence for Bromley after being on such a patchy run, I think I think that will you know it gives them gives them confidence. And I've said me. Uh, Away from home, Bromley, you can beat Bromley away from home, but at home, they're, you know, they, um, it's a di- they're a different proposition, aren't they? I mean, I, I, I've said if we have to come up against Bromley in the playoffs, or any team has to come up against Bromley in the playoffs, you want, you want, you want to be at home against Bromley. You don't want to be going to Bromley's place and playing there. I don't, I don't want to be at home against Bromley. We get pumped three one at home against Bromley, but we beat them at their place. <laughs> so really? I'd rather play them at, I'd rather play them at Bromley. I think we, all Attic fans have got ahead of ourselves a little bit and said if we, if we want to play Bromley in the playoff campaign this year, we want it to be at Wembley. <laughs> you just want, you know, it's not going to be at Wembley. They're never going to put a National League playoff final at Wembley. They'll put it somewhere stupid again. Give me Old Trafford. Do you know what? I'd take, I'd take Old Trafford in the playoffs. Could you, could you imagine, right? So we've, I'm, I'm diverting a bit from this. Can you imagine we've got this bet going on this season? for the end of the season. If we both make the playoffs <laughs> and we end up being a Hartlepool v Oldham playoff final. I, I couldn't do that. I could never... The thing is, I think what, one way or another that our friendship would get ruined because we, if you boy, if we got both got to the playoff final and you boys beat us, I would put the blame on your shoulders and you would never... I would quit the company tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't I couldn't work with you. Should we make, should we make a deal here? 
I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make a deal with you here. See, but I feel like I'm getting shafted here because you know, no, no, you no, know, no. we're eight, you know, we're eight points clear of you or whatever it is, and you're like, no, no, you, you're not getting <laughs> shafted. This, this is a big, this is like a big ask. I don't think it's gonna happen. If we both make the playoff final, we go yeah. together. Yes, mate. Let's do it. hundred and ten percent. Right, the chances of it happening are slim. And we, we can do that. We it. can do the same sort of get up. I was watching back some uh, lowly content from you and Liam over the years on YouTube the other day. And I think if that happens, we have to do the same concept that you and Liam did at uh, Bradford Hartlepool. I think it was maybe two seasons ago where you both had the um, headphones on at the side of the pitch and you've got to switch your headphones on for the first half. It'd be so difficult to do that at whatever stadium it goes to, but if we could try it. <laughs> we, that would be sick. <laughs> It'd be funny, but I don't think it, I don't think that'll happen. But we'll, we'll see. But going going back to the Bromley v Chesterfield match, there's a couple of there's a couple of key points I just want to talk upon statistically on it. Is Michael Cheek scored a hat trick, and mm. and that's taken him up to a tally of 17 goals this season. He's now equal fourth top goal scorer now on 17. I mean, Cheek just. He just does it, doesn't he? He does it every season, pretty much. Mm-hmm. He's just missed the consistency at this level, isn't he, really? Yeah, I mean, looking back on he's one of these players. He's, he's scored 17 last season for Bromley. He's already scored 17 this season for them. The season before, he scored 17. Seems to be his magic number. 23 the season before at Bromley and 13 before that. And again, yeah, 17 yeah. before that at, at Ebbsfleet. So you know and you know you've got an absolute player in him who's gonna who's gonna score goals. But yeah, to pop up with that and a, a hat trick and as an important a game as that for Bromley, yeah, I mean it's massive. I think as well, it was interesting listening to uh, both the managers at the end at the end of the game because it kind of they both sounded how you'd expect it to sound like. Paul Cook was very quick to sort of be like, it was it was an off day, you know. We we were the uh, we were the worst team and we deserved to lose, but it's not. We, you know, we're, we're in a, a obviously an absolute ridiculously good position. Yeah. One game. Whereas Andy Woodman sounded a lot more relieved and a lot more like it was a big deal to him and his his boys, you know. Yeah, I think he. I think they needed the win because they had been stuck in a little bit of a rut, and it's going to be a massive, massive confidence boost for. Brandy and the thing is, the I think if they, I genuinely think if they would have lost that, um, well, am I right in thinking? Hang on, I'm not, did did Barnet win this weekend? I've not got the things. Barnet did, yeah. Barnet beat. But, yeah, so if they, if they would have lost that game, Barnet would have gone into second. Yeah, I don't think it would have been trouble for Andy Woodman at all. I think he's 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 done enough over the years to he's brought them back into the, the playoff position. He's got them in the top two just now. I think they'll finish comfortably in the top two. I'm. I don't think he's in any trouble at all. But this game just a massive confidence boost for them, and I think hopefully it should see them push on over the next few weeks to to solidify that that top two space. They've got Dagenham coming up on Tuesday, and then they've got Eastleigh, who we'll talk about a little bit later at the weekend. Then Halifax, and then yourselves. So they've mm. got they've got a decent chance of putting a good run together over the next couple of games. So I think it's a, a good result, a really good time. For Bromley, yeah, definitely. Now, can we talk about that goal? I mean, look, I've got to give it him. I've got to give it him. I, I, I'll give him his flowers. From uh, the Oldham supporter in me, 
I didn't really always see eye to eye with Ollie Banks when he was at our place. I thought he was a little bit of a prima donna, like he, his dad fell out with the fan base. There's all, all different stuff that you can research about his time at Latics. But for Chesterfield, he has been a vital, vital cog in that promotion monster. And the one thing I will say about Ollie Banks, and even when he, he scored very rarely for Latics, but he doesn't score normal goals or tappings. No. We're always screamers. You know, if Ollie Banks has got on the score sheet, you need to look at the highlights on YouTube because it's going to be a worldie. Think that's goal of the season this season? Absolutely. I can't. I can't see anyone beating that because the thing is, you can probably quantify goal of the season in different ways. Obviously, if somebody if if somebody scores like a bicycle kick in the playoff final in the last minute, then that would you know be goal of the yeah. season. But I think in terms of the magnitude of the game and. Like the strike from like what was he thirty two maybe thirty three yards out? Oh, it was um, thirty thirty five yards out. Yeah, oh, like, it, and the technique as well. The way the way the ball just moved in the air at the last minute, it's crazy. And it wasn't just that it wasn't a hit and hope either. He he knew exactly where that was going. It was a phenomenal strike. You won't if that was in if that was in the Premier League, it'd be spoken about all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What a strike, what a game. Great result for Bromley. Fourth and a fanta- fantastic advertisement for the National League as well. Brilliant advert for National League football. Just a shame that wasn't the TV game this week. No. Which I, I don't know why. Well, I know they decided far in advance, but surely that should have been the TV game for this week. Yeah. yeah um, rather, than, rather than the game that was being Alder Shot versus Alti, which finished 2 0, which you're not going to cover tonight. Sorry. Any. All the shot or ulti fans, but that game was 2 0. Next one. Speaking of like big things, Dick Hill. Hey! Big, big Dick Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said big. I don't know how I got to big things, big strikes, big dicks. Dick Hill. To be fair, I thought you were going to talk about Mikey Vondop for a second. No, no. Just because I'm talking about big dick doesn't mean I'm talking about Mike Vondop. <laughs> I'm talking about Richard Hill getting sacked from Eastleigh after Eastleigh lost 3-0 Debs fleet. Eastleigh have just been on an absolute drop mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. They haven't won a game in all competitions since their win over Dorking on the 23rd of December. Wow. So that was the last time they got a win, and that was 2-1. So it's no surprise to me that after a 3-0 loss to Ebbsfleet that that Richard Hill has been sacked. I think so. Did we mention Eastleigh as a team to really drop? Because they were up. They were there or thereabouts, but the thing is, really it, I know sometimes it can't happen, but it's, it surprises me with with an absolute like clinical striker like McCallum. You know what I mean? They 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 shouldn't they shouldn't be doing what they're doing right now. No, and like it's crazy, isn't it? It's it's mad. Like, and the thing is, obviously, change needed to happen. I, I don't dispute that, but like. It's very interesting to me the route that easily have gone down with the new manager. You know, it's completely inexperienced. So they've they've um, announced Kelvin Davis um, as the 
first team manager. Um, the ex Southampton keeper, I think he made like over 300 appearances with Southampton. Um, and like we can't talk about his playing style or maybe potential tactics at all because you know he's, he's not, he's not obviously he's coached at um Southampton, I believe, but he's not managed anywhere, and I think. It is, it is a real risk, but like a bit like we said with, you know, with you boys and um, I forgot what his name is. What's his Kevin name? Phillips. Yeah, thank you. Um, sometimes the the inexperienced ones can go one way or another. It's going to, it's going to, you're either going to end up like David Unsworth or you're going to end up like Pete Wilde. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of the two, isn't it? And I guess you would imagine being a goalkeeper, he, he's going to pride himself on clean sheets. And the one thing he's going to need to do to start stopping the rot at the minute is is get some clean sheets, get some you know good defence, and and you would imagine being a keeper for so long and, and making so many clean sheets that's going to be his number one priority. So that could be a positive. Yeah, and he needs to he needs to find a way to get McCallum firing again as well because McCallum's mm. not scored in the last five. When you were looking at a point where he what was it he scored something like twenty three goals and like. 20 games or something like that. He's now, I mean, it's still a great return. He's still 23 and 27. That's all right. We've been 23 and 22. Now it's 23 and 27. It's still a great return, but you'd think a, a player that's scored that amount would be much higher up the league than what they were. You'd think they'd be doing better. But yeah, it does scream out that they just need to, he needs to sort that defence, sort that back line out. Solidify them and, and to build again for next season for Eastley. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think with a new manager coming in, it's you've always the thing is uh, you you've got a uh, you've got all our new manager time, and at this point, with this little time left in the in the season, I think it is just consolidation and and let him try and figure out his tactics and you know try and find a way to tighten them up defensively a little bit, but also make use of your absolute gold machine up front that's dried up a little bit, like you said. Exactly. And obviously coming from Southampton and being a first team coach there as well, he'll he'll have he'll probably have connections there at Southampton. He'll, they've got a notoriously good youth system. So we might end up seeing a couple of loan signings coming in from Southampton, maybe him picking up a free agent here and there to come in to try and improve the improve the squad. I don't know how many players they've already got in on loan and how many more they can bring in from now until the end of the season. But it'll be really interesting to see what they do over the next couple of weeks. I would imagine there will be a couple of incomings for Eastleigh. Yeah, you would imagine so. I think yeah. I think they do need need some definitely. And and the thing is, a new manager always wants at least a couple of his players. You know what I mean? Um. So exactly. yeah, yeah, it'd be an interesting interesting thing to keep an eye on for sure. But another side of the foot, a cracking result for Ebbsfleet. The the thing is, we we spoke for the last couple of weeks about Ebbsfleet slowly beginning to pick it up a little bit, you know, and 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 sort of get themselves out of trouble and obviously they're not there yet but like you know what is it now that I, um so they are one second so they are um unbeaten in the last three uh yep. um two wins in the last five as well so they're slowly doing it and and the thing is i know obviously the problem you've got is south end have got three games in hand on them you know um that could be a problem of course it could but like we say in most weeks, um, anyone really down 
anyone really down to probably probably Rochdale in it's mad, isn't it, really? Because anyone, mathematically, probably anyone down from 12 downwards could still be in trouble. Yeah. It's, only, it's only a six-point gap between Rochdale and 12 and the, and the relegation spots. You know 11th, I mean? 11th down, because Dagenham are on the same points as Rochdale. And Dagenham yeah. have played two more games than a lot of the people that are above them. So I, th- I think they'll, I think they'll, I think for Ebsfleet, what we should say quickly is they'll probably be happy to still be in the fight because I think... Earlier in the season, they you know they were struggling a bit, weren't they? And you thought maybe maybe this is it, this is too much for them. But they've given themselves a fighting chance now, and I think that's all mm-hmm. you can ask for, isn't it? Exactly. And the big the big surprise that we see down there, which you mentioned, is is South End. Yeah. Still, I mean, they had a fly, they had a flying start, then they were they were kind of mid table, and then we we spoke about them quite a lot, saying, could they be the team to, to give a late push? Yeah, could they make yeah. a late push? But it, it doesn't the seem thing, to be happening at all. They just seem to the be... The thing is, with Southend, though, I, I think we were probably just kind of saying that because you always seem to get a team that comes late. But I think from Southend's perspective, to keep a bit of realism and re- realistic expectations in there, you have to think, they had an embargo, then they lifted the embargo, yeah. signed like, you know, I think it was, what was it, six, seven, eight new players, really. So that yeah. takes time to gel. And I could eat my words, but I don't think Southend are going to, you know, going to end up going down. And I, I do think, give um, them a summer with all these new signings and maybe bring one or two more in. And I do... I do expect them to be around the playoff places, if not challenging for the league next year. So, Same yeah, just as long as they survive, they still obviously they've still got a job to do to survive at the minute. So, we don't want to we don't want to say something like that, and the viewers will be listening. They'll be like, "How can they say that so confidently when they could go down?" Which is fair enough, but I just think they'll have enough about them, and I think next year they'll they'll flex the muscles a little bit. Yeah, I hope they do survive because the fans don't deserve to go down after everything they've been put through this no. season, from turning up, cleaning the pitch up, cleaning the ground up, making sure the pitch is playable. The fans have played an absolute blinder for Southend this season, and they just deserve to stay in this league. Absolutely. Massively. Now, another team that's down in that bottom area, and a team that we've mentioned as well, is moving on to failed versus Barnet, another absolute goal fest. Six goals in this game. And we had failed losing 4 2 to Barnet. Now, failed one beaten in five. We spoke yeah. about them the last couple of weeks saying they were on a great run. They'd won their last four. And then, obviously, as I've just said, they've been beaten by Barnet, who are still firmly on Bromley's heels, two points behind them with a game in hand. Absolutely, I think, I think with with uh, failed I so I, I'm sitting quite smug today. Obviously, I can rub it in a little bit with uh, Lauren on Thursday, but I'm pretty sure I've won this week's prediction because I actually said that this was the week that uh, failed get a loss, and that's the way it transpired. But look, the, they were still in the game, you know, like they were. Um, where are we? Uh, carry on speaking. My, my screen's just gone blank. One sec. Yeah, I mean, so it was the, it for us. the first half hour on this one. It was it was two each. So Fylde went one nil up. I am through a hot and penalty, and then we 
Barnett went two um two one up with Odonka and then Pritchard scoring. And then Houghton scored again to equalise to bring it to two each in the half hour mark. And it, it stayed that way up until the 60th minute. And then I am Hull Johnson made it three two and then seventy third minute stead. You know, it came on and scored three minutes later. I've not seen it, so it must be one of his very first touches of the ball. Yeah. To, also, to score, I think to make it four two. What's important to say in, in sort of like uh, a sort of a secret hero, really, even though he didn't score. I think what what probably won Barnet the, the game there was Luke Freeman. You know, like they he I watched the highlights and he was just running the show from his position and mm. that's what you get when when a player's won one promotion to the Premier League just last season you know you know you're gonna struggle yeah. you know what I mean um uh but yeah look massive result for Barney it keeps them on the the right sort of track and right on Bromley's coattails like you said and obviously it's been a good week for Barnet as well because just quickly I feel like we should touch upon the news coming out of there today so the chairman has said that there is plans to move them out of the hive and back into Barnet, which is massive, obviously, for their fans for obvious reasons. And uh, but obviously, we have to err with the side of caution because we have been here before. We've heard plans like this before, and they haven't happened. But obviously, if it happens, it's massive to have a, a football club back in their bearer. You know what I mean? Exactly, back where they belong. Um. But yeah, we'll keep we'll keep obviously keep an eye on any developments with that in the next couple of weeks and bring it to you on this podcast, I guess. Hundred percent. You might not hear it first here, but you'll certainly hear it here. <laughs> right. We didn't get to speak about Oldham last week because you didn't play. No. This week you did, so we'll talk about Oldham before we go for an ad break. You'll be happy with Oldham's return to action, won't you? Because, well, why don't you take it away, Aaron? Well, so, like you say, we didn't we, we didn't play uh, last week weekend, but so we, we've we've played two games since we were last on this um, on this podcast, and we've we've got six points from the return. Uh, the, the first game uh, was a two-one victory against Boreham Wood, were for maybe 70, 75 minutes. We were outclassed on our own pitch, and you're thinking, "Oh Christ, the wheels are falling off here." You know, we've gone one nil behind, and I can already see your text messages. Outclassed by Boreham Wood for like seventy minutes. I, w- I would say I think I think they battled harder than us, and they got they got the um, the, the go ahead. But then something clicked. Then it was I think Mickey Mellon put one of his signatures rockets up somebody's ass, and well, the whole squad's ass, and then we managed to get the win. And obviously, it was two goals. One from Mikey Fondop, uh, and one from Joe Garner, and obviously, then that momentum carried on over Tuesday night, really, and and then talk about a juxtaposition of the week. Even though you picked up six points from two games, it wasn't comfortable on Tuesday night at home, but on Saturday, it was a walk in the park. That's the best I've seen us play under Mellon for maybe a month, if I'm being honest. Even though we've won six games out of eight, um, like they just didn't. I can't really say they didn't lay a glove on us because obviously in the 94th minute we didn't manage to get the clean sheet. Uh, but in terms of chances and, and one team with the attacking intent, it was all us, you know, and we could have we could have been four or five nil up at half time. And I don't think that's an unfair assessment or a biased assessment. And it, it was important for us as well because obviously we've gone into this period now without 
James Norwood and, and you know, people were levelling at us how important and how vital is James Norwood to us. And I, I don't think there's any denying that James Norwood makes Oldham Athletic better and he is probably our best striker. But we have got five strikers for a reason, you know. It's about time It's about time two of them stepped up and it seems like Garner and um, Big Mikey are forming quite a partnership at the minute. Obviously, Mikey... That's what I was going to say. Is he's had a point where he's had eight strikers and everyone's like, how many strikers do Oldham need on their books to, to keep going? And it's obvious now why he's needed to have so many because... Well, and not just that, that, not just that. Since he's come in, he, he he's made it quite clear he, he plays with two up top, you know. So, yeah. like, really now, like we've obviously Dallas Dallas should be back sooner rather than later, which is good news. But with James Norwood, it could be a couple of weeks. It could be another four weeks. Yeah, we don't we don't know. So, it's but it's nice to have like a settled partnership that you can see working together, like to work together. And what we we've spoke about, uh, Mikey being probably one of the most erratic, inconsistent players in the National League. But a lot of Latix play, players have said, it, it. I think he's on course to becoming like cult hero status at Boundary Park, especially if we go up this year. Because it's not just it's not just him as a footballer now. It's We're, we're seeing more of him as a person personality. And, and you need them in your dressing room. He's like one of the nicest guys I've, I've seen in a... I've met and seen on the football pitch and he's reaping his rewards now because it seems like since Mellon's come in, he's had a chat with Mikey and he's got the sort of erratic yeah. uh, red head sort of temperament out of him and he's just focusing on his football. And what, See, I think he's a sort of cult hero every single club he's been at, hasn't he? He was a cult hero at us because he was immense. Like, <laughs> just from wrestling players on the floor and falling over the ball and Jumping, I managed to get a foot shorter when he jumped at Bradford. Say, so I think I've never known him to a player like him, like ever. Because when he, when he first done, when he first done his interview at Hartlepool, no, like, tell us what sort of player you're going to get. And he was like, well, some say I've been compared to Ronaldo, and others compare me to Messi. And is that what, in no way he said that? Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> Genuinely, I'll find, I'll find the interview and I'll, I'll send it to you. But yeah, he said he was a comparison, a blend of Ronaldo and Messi. But it's just the sort of person that he is. He's a beast. He seems a bit of a joker. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He was terrible for us, but he's been he's been phenomenal for yourselves. Now. And yeah. he's just fitting in really well into this team when when the injuries have come up. See when uh, see when Norwood and Dallas come back. Where do yeah. you see them fitting in? Do you see them jumping straight back in, or? So I think. It's one of them, really, isn't it? Obviously, you've got a kind of rule with an iron fist, and I think Mickey Mellon is that type of manager. So, in terms of success, I did say to you off camera that he might struggle to get in straight away because of just how, how good this partnership seems to be at the minute. But also, you've got a, a geezer there that scored like 15 league goals, you know, before his injury, and and like he is he is a class above the national league. Like, I, 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 I'll die on the hill. And I'm not just taking jibs at Chesterfield just because I'm jealous, but I genuinely believe, even though Will Gregg is phenomenal and in a championship elect winning side, I'd have Norwood nine times out of ten over Will Gregg. Genuinely, I believe that. And I think he just, he's just, he's touches, it's his link-up play. So if we've got serious ambitions of getting in them playoffs and winning the playoffs, then we need him in the side. 
Dallas, I don't really know because we've seen him play 15 minutes and then something happened in training where he got an injury. So that one's a bit harder, really, to sort of cast upon. But you wouldn't, from what we know of Dallas, what he's done at this division in the past, you, you think he's got it in his locker to maybe do it again with a consistent run. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So just to re clarify, because Aaron never mentioned the score in any of that, it was oh, made in head one, Oldham three. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I just got so excited with my uh, impassionate rant about how James Norwood is better than Will Grigg. I was waiting for I was like, when, do you, when are you going to bring the, the score up into this? But I just like to keep people guessing, that's all. I know, I know. Now, it just leaves Maidenhead in that kind of limbo position as well, just talking, just discussing on them. They're sitting there on 39 points, played 34 games. They're also in that weird scramble where you don't know if they're in a relegation fight or you don't know if they're in a mid-table fight. Mm. Like a lot of leagues, you say, oh, you'll get 15, 20 games in and you'll know how the league's going to pan out. I still don't know how this league's going to pan out when yeah. it comes to the end of the season. I think I think it's going to be one of them where as you get to the final day and we'll have to get Look Sport Media or all the pod, National League pods. So me, you and Lauren... We're gonna to have to split ourselves like in half and go to every game just because there'll be something going on at every game at this oh, it's, it's gonna be absolutely bonkers this scramble for the playoff positions because like we talk we talk from the relegations. You look at probably anyone from eleventh and down can get dragged into the relegation spots. But likewise, I'd say anyone from twelve up. Could potentially get into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's ten. I know it's ten points to get up from. I am from twelve from Rochdale, but a run of form in the National League, anything can happen. It's it's crazy, crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is, though, I think, and I don't want to be come across as biased, but I said to you, didn't I? I think, I think you've probably got your teams that have. And I don't know whether I can say Oldham have cemented themselves yet, but I I just I feel like we will get the play. I can't say us not getting the playoffs now. Let's say it, put it that way. Like I don't. That's not me saying we're going to win it, but I can't see us at least not being in there. And I think you can say the same now for your your Bromleys and your Barnets as well, really. Um, so there's maybe a core of two, three teams that you would expect to be there, but then the other two, three slots are wide open, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely wide open. Now, what I'm going to do just now is we're going to go for a quick ad break. So we're now going to bring in our sponsors, and we will see you in a minute. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Lower League National League podcast. I said that nice and smoothly there, not following, following I fell, fell over my own words when I was saying not following, blah, 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 following over my own words. Fucked it, mate. Oh, well. We go on, we go on to part two of this review of the weekend and this team speaking of fallen a team that's just going down and down and down more times than a hooer's pants Rochdale <laughs> I wasn't so, expecting that I'm sorry <laughs> um, yeah but again with Rochdale I think it's very very important to say like I don't think this comes as a surprise for us, really, especially for me, because, you know, I've had uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been banging on the drum about, you know, Rochdale beginning to tire and the squad sort of size coming to bite them back. And I've had Rochdale fans level at me for being biased. But now all I can say is, like, look at you now, you know, you maybe should, instead of calling me biased, listen to my opinions and then, then you can be prepared. Um, <laughs> because I think anyone could, could could see this coming, really, and... And like it's a shame, but also I think they've got far too good of a squad still with the injuries to go anywhere near the relegation zone. But I don't think they I don't think they'll mount ten points difference to get in the playoffs. So I think I think they'll finish around seventeenth. Oh fucking hell. That's brutal. Seventeenth. With that prediction, by the way, with that prediction, right? Yeah, Grant Grant froze that his screen froze for thirty seconds because of how shocked he was with my prediction. Seventeenth, seventeenth, yeah, yeah. I think I think they're going to slide oh, a bit more. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think they're done with the slide. And I, I I won't lie, Grant, professional and professional and all that. I, I've had I've had a little bit of fun this week because I remember uh, on Boxing Day a lot of the Rochdale fans and a lot of the fan accounts and and like social media admin and whatever you want to call it, uh, sent a load of tweets out to our fans saying, mind the gap when there was only a two-point difference. And now now there's an 11-point difference. So, yeah, enjoy your relegation battle, boys. Um, <laughs> and we, we might see you next year, but I doubt it. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that game, it's given Rochdale four losses on the spin. Mm-hmm. For them, they're so that's them. They get beat by Aldershot three one, beat by Dagenham two one, beat by Alty three nil. Now beat by Solihull three nil. So three of those games have been against playoff teams. So it's been a hard run for them. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. But also before before the slide, they were a playoff team. You know what I mean? They were in the playoff places, rightly or wrongly, three weeks ago. Um. So yeah, but look, banter aside and rant aside, like like I said, they've got Devante Rodney, who you know come back. Obviously, it's great to see him back on a football pitch because he had some really serious problems with his heart mm-hmm. and stuff, and then and then tore his calf or whatever he did. So like, he just seems to have been in a lot of um, a lot of un- unlucky situations. But it's good to see him back. And but they've got players like Keen Hayes, you know. Um, they've they've got far too good of a squad really Adam, to be in a relegation Adam battle. Clayton. But if if the rumours are to be believed, and again I'll say alleged rumours, apparently apparently I was reading this week that there could be an again I'll say alleged because 
we don't want to crumble the company. Um, uh, that there could maybe be a be a, a points deduction coming at some point for Rochdale, whether that be this season or next season. But it could happen. I think if it's this season, then obviously that would be horrendous for them for obvious reasons. If it's next season, then they could do a self end. You don't you just you don't know, do you? You just don't know. Yeah, I mean, if it's this season, that is worst case scenario. So if you're looking at a five, ten point deduction, that puts them in the ten points puts them second ball. Mm. That puts them on thirty one points, just above Oxford City. Five points takes them to nineteenth, and they'll be well within reach of the relegation spots. So. <laughs> It would be it would be a tough it would be it would be a tough one for them. I think the you one know. thing I will say for for this fixture on Saturday, which um, I will give Rochdale a bit. Well, I, I'll give the supporters a bit of credit for. I'm very surprised that that game didn't get abandoned because half of that spot when pitch on Saturday was underwater, and it was the half that Rochdale were trying to play football in. And obviously, it's just been announced today that the game tomorrow night is not going ahead because of a waterlogged pitch. So I think on another day the game would have been abandoned or postponed or whatever you want to call it, and and you know the maybe they wouldn't have got the defeat as heavy. But but like like McNulty said, you can't blame the weather really because even even when Rochdale even when Rochdale had the ball in in some periods they were just they weren't progressive enough. They were just backwards and sideways, and you're not going to win games of football doing that. I would say you can't blame the weather for a loss because both teams had to play in the weather. Yeah. For me, that's just a cop-out excuse if anyone says, oh, the weather didn't play in our hands. Well, fucking yeah. didn't play in the other team's hands either. Unless you're playing in that every single week and you're used to that, weather's not an excuse for me. But, yeah, Rochdale on a poor run. See the game getting postponed against Borenwood on Tuesday. Is it a blessing or... Is it a curse because their next game's now against Chesterfield on Saturday? I think it's probably a blessing in terms of the longer picture for Jim McNulty getting getting like because he said this weekend was the first time he's had like more than 16 players to choose from, you know. So he's finally getting his players back from injury, and I think that's important. That that'll be important for them for the rest of the season, despite de- deciding uh depending what's what sort of way the t- the table goes. But um in terms of a run, it doesn't get any easier for them, does it? I mean, it really doesn't. So, no, I think I mean, when you're in a run like this, Grant, I don't know if you agree, but I always think you're better off playing rather than waiting because you you you, you want to get that win, you know what I mean? Before it becomes six, seven, you need to get that win as quickly as possible, don't you? Yeah, and for me, if I was a Rochdale fan, how I'd be looking at it and saying, Ah, we're playing Chesterfield, there's absolutely no pressure on us this weekend because. How many Rochdale fans actually expect to beat Chesterfield? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think there should. I don't think there should be anyone in here really that expects to beat Chesterfield, other than maybe Bromley because he's been and done it. <laughs> um, I, I certainly wouldn't expect to be done by them. I certainly, if I was a Rochdale fan, I wouldn't be expecting to beat them. I just want to turn up, put in a good performance, and yeah, and just hope for the best and then regroup for their next match after that so I think it's a no pressure game for them coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. Boreham Woods for me that would have been a big one they have to win, they have to beat Boreham Woods similar, similar league positions Boreham Woods are always a tough team to play against because they're a physical team 
but yeah, I, I think it's more of a blessing than having the game postponed because, it, as you said, it gives the players time to recover that have been out from injuries. They'll be able to get more players back on the sheet and it'll give McNulty something else to think about, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And moving on, we've mentioned Boreham Wood. Let's talk about my my little moment of happiness again. We don't get them very often at Hartlepool, do we? <laughs> but Hartlepool also beat Boreham Wood 3-1. Check us both our teams winning 3-1, Aaron. How often does that happen? I know, bloody hell. And, and I've got to be honest, when uh, um, Tashmanga opened the scoring inside like 40 seconds, I thought, oh, bloody hell, here they go. Here 10 they go. seconds. 10, 10 seconds. seconds. I was like, here they go, you know. But like, look, you you seem to weather that sort of early storm. Take your punch and just come back fighting, didn't you? And like, you really yeah. can't argue with the start that um, your new manager has made, really, can you? No, you really can't at all. Like, he's he's come in. He's made a massive, massive difference to the club, and we've won three out of the last four, unbeaten in four. Uh, and Kevin Phillips has got us off to a flyer. He just seems to absolutely get it. What the club's about, what the area's about. Obviously, he spent a hell of a lot of time in the northeast when he's in his playing days, and then the start of his managerial career. He's he, he's done really well, and he's got us playing good football again. He's still got a lot that he needs to work on with players coming back in. But he's got us playing something that's fairly attractive to watch and is effective. So I'm really liking Kevin Phillips being in charge. But you see, you see when Cabby scored within 10 seconds, like I knew he was going to cause us trouble because he didn't score. He was like, he's he started yeah. and I was like, he's going to be horrendous. And he scored after 10 seconds and I just went, fuck's sake, here we go again. Because that must be something like the 10th or 11th goal we've conceded in the first 10 minutes. We just <laughs> seem to concede in the first 10 minutes. Bromley done, uh, done it to on both occasions. And then it's happened here again against Boreham Wood. And I was like, this is going to be a long game. But we came, we came back into it. And I was really happy for Joe Gray. Joe Gray, who had an absolute mayor given goal, given the ball away to one of his last games to so we conceded in like the last minute. He was devastated after it and you could see he was he was physically gutted and it felt like we'd lost that match. But he he scored and he went mental. It was great to see him get on the, the, the sheet. Manny Disarui scoring again just proving that he is like one of the top top strikers in this league. And then look waterfall closing it off to make it 3-1, getting his first goal for the club. So, do you know what? All round, it was a really good performance by Hartlepool. And the thing that I'm most happy with in that game is we have never, ever, until that weekend, beaten a team with Nathan Ashmore in goals. Ever. He's just been the bane of our you, life. You brought the Ashmore curse in, right? Oh, like, you see, when he was at Ebbsfleet, didn't beat them. When he was at Borenwood, didn't beat them. And I was just like, what have we got to do? And he always has, like, a good dig at our fans. And, yeah, it was um, it was interesting. Do you know what was funny, actually, speaking of fans? Now, I don't know why Hartlepool done this. 
this is the most fucked up thing that we've done for a while. And we've done a lot of fucked up things. <laughs> so there was 20 Borumwood fans travelled for the match, right? Yeah. Do you know what we've done? Go on. Put them in the home end. Oh, shit. We put them in the home end. We gave them a little section of the home end. And the 20 Borumwood fans were given the bigging. After the to everyone else. So then we had to move the 20 Borumwood fans because they were given the big in into the away end. All because they didn't want to put a security guard in the away end. Crazy. It's just fucking stupid. I'm going to ask you a question now and I'd appreciate it if you could maybe answer it honestly and maybe not with your um, heart to put into your glasses on. Okay. So, seven points off the playoffs. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think you can get there, or, or do you, do you think Hartlepool will get there? Not whether you particularly think they'll do it, or do you think it'll just be too much? Yes. You do. Yeah. I, I genuinely, I genuinely think we can do it. You see, if you'd have asked me under John Askey, I would have said no. Every single day of the week, I would have thought we would have been in that same 17th spot as Rochdale were. There was so much negativity around the club. Um, the players just seemed flat. There was something really, really off. Kevin Phillips has brought a spark in that I've not seen at the club since Dave Challoner was there. Yeah, He just seems to have something about him. He's still got a couple of people um, that are meant to be coming in. I've Man. heard a name lying around. What backroom staff or player-wise? Player-wise. Go on. Of Timmy Agnola. Who is linked, and that would be a great signing. If, if he was to come in. And that would be real good cover for Mancini, who's out, still out injured, unfortunately. just I think they just needs to come to the end of the season for Mancini uh, yeah. and then get him fully fit and bring him in to fly next season, whether that is in League 2, I doubt it, or whether that's to have another full season in the National League because we've got an extension there for him, so we can extend him by a year. So I think having someone like that, like Akinola, to cover him would be, would be great. But We've not That's really crazy. needed. We've not really needed Mancini this last couple of games. Having him just seems to be a luxury player that we can bring back in and use when we need him. Joe Gray has been a completely different player under Kevin Phillips. He just seems to be getting the best out of him. But yeah, I I really do think Hartlepool can do it, and I'm going to look at the next few games that we've got for Hartlepool. And they're big games to to show if we can do this or not. Yeah. They're all against top, top teams. So you've got Altrincham, who are currently in the playoffs. That's a game on Tuesday. Then we've got Solihull at the weekend, another team in and around the playoffs. And then we've got Barnet on the 2nd of March. So it's three huge games. Now, if Hartlepool can come out of that with six points, there's no reason as to why we can't get into the playoffs. I would take yeah. six out of nine points in that. 
you know what? I think, like you said, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would have laughed you out of the building. If you, mm-hmm. you know, when you said to me, "We're coming, we're coming after you," yeah, and I, I said to you, I said, "Don't be fucking stupid," you know. That's what I said back. Like, I, I think it, I think it'll be, it'll, be, it'll still be a task. I think it'll still be, it'll be an impressive feat if you do it. But like you say, you've got a whole different feel around the football club now, a whole different vibe, and yeah. sometimes that's all you need in it to spark something. Exactly. Like, you see, when you're playing well, you don't hear all the shouts about the owner as much. Yeah. Like, that kind of disappears. When you're playing poorly, that's when all the fans come out and start shouting. Now, I'm I'm still very, very firmly that we need to find a new owner and a a buyer for the club. Raj Singh needs to sell. But there's not as much noise when you're playing well, because... You start getting giving it the old EIEIEIO, but I'll still say the one year hiatus is still on from the EFL and pools are going up. I'll, you know, I'll see you at Wembley then if that's the case. <laughs> Let's go, Wembley. <laughs> now, we've alluded to a couple of times that there's games on Tuesday. Now, we know this isn't a preview show. You guys do yourself yeah. and Lauren. Okay, do the okay. show. He's trying to take he's trying to take the glory away from me, Lauren. I'm not taking the glory away at all. But we don't have time to get another preview show out. So what we'll do is we'll very, very briefly run through the games that are coming up on Tuesday, because it's almost a full card. It's a couple of games that have been postponed, as we've said. And we'll just see. What ones we think we should really, really be looking out for, right? So, I'm going to run through them really quickly. We get Fylde versus Solihull Moors, Aldershot v Barnet, Bromley versus Dagenham, Ebbsfleet versus Woking, Halifax versus Chesterfield, Hartlepool versus Alty, Kidderminster versus Gateshead, Maidenhead versus Southend, Oxford versus Eastleigh. Rochdale versus Borehamwood, Wealdstone versus Dorking. Oh yeah, that's a postponed. Rochdale v Borehamwood postponed. Wealdstone Dorking postponed, and York City versus Oldham. Any of those games really stand out for you? So I think for me, I think the the, the two that you you would think about are probably um, so you probably think shot span it maybe. Because obviously mm-hmm. Aldershot are still very much within the playoff concentration, and Barnet are still on the coattails of second, so that could be a eye-catching one. You would also think the battle at the bottom between Ebbsfleet and Woking—they're uh, the two that stick out for me the most, really. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Are you the same? Or have you got any different? I, I, ones? I'm pretty much in agreement for you. I think Aldershot versus Barnet—it's a—it it's a, should be a great game. I I seen another one again down at the bottom end, Maidenhead versus South End. Both teams in a similar similar sort of area. South End are four, only four points off Maidenhead. They can drag them right back into into this bottom rut. I think that's got potential to be a decent game as well. And I'm going to say Pools v Alty. As I mentioned, that's a big game for both teams. Yeah. So there's three yeah, there that, that I would pick out. Going to be an exciting night, I think. It's going to be a good, a good Tuesday, and I'm sure you and Lauren will do a little bit of a, 
a talk over the results. Yeah. And your podcast, which will which will be out obviously on Saturday morning. And yeah, we can we can catch up with your preview show when we get going through the games. How exciting. I look forward to it. Oh, it's gonna be good. Good week ahead. Have you got anything else you want to add before we wrap up for the night, mate? I think um I touched upon it on the preview show, but it's the first time we've spoke about it on here, obviously. Probably by a little bit biased, but Frank Rothwell has come back from his draw now, and he, you know he's he's raised. I think it's over three hundred thousand pounds now, which is fucking mesmerising amounts of money, really, isn't it for a seventy-four-year-old? And he, I don't know if he's seen it. You might have seen it, Grant, but they put um. So him and his wife Judith are resting up and quite uh, well deserved rest up in Antigua at the minute. And he Brilliant. was watching. He he was watching the game with some cocktails uh, on his little. TV screen and uh, and they put his celebrations for the goals up on Twitter. If, if, you've, not, if you've not seen them, I, I definitely suggest going checking them out. But obviously, just from us again, I think obviously now it's done. Obviously, he's a hero in my eyes anyway for saving my football club. But outside of football, he is an absolute warrior and he's a legend. Congratulations for getting a second world world record, Frank Rockwell. Eh? Oh, what an achievement! What a raising of funds that he's made. He, he's an unbelievable human, is Frank Frank Rothwell. We've had the pleasure of, well, not myself, but through Lower League, look, Liam's had the pleasure of going to meet him. And, yeah, what a guy, what an effort. Well done, Frank Rothwell. Maybe. I think that's, the, I think that's the, the perfect note to end this podcast on. So, everyone, once again, thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to listen to all of our other sister podcasts for League Two and League One, the preview shows that come out on Saturdays before the games. So if you've not listened to that before, make sure you've got your headphones in or you've got it in your car. On your way to the games, you can listen to good friend Aaron here and the lovely Lauren having a it's chat ba- about previews it's basically just It's basically just me and Lauren abusing each other over the lack of knowledge for the National League. It's, it's good. It's good fun. I listen to it every week when I'm when I'm getting to edit it. So yeah, I'm, I, I love doing it. It's good, it's good fun with these two guys. Thursday nights, there will be the the breakdown as predominantly League Two, but feel free to bring up any clubs. It's open to League One and the National League. It's just there's more interaction from League Two, so feel free to do that. And then also there is the League Two six oh six on a Sunday on our Twitter Spaces and at Lower League. Look, don't forget to rate this podcast five stars. Go on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, hit rate five stars, comment whatever the fuck you want. We don't care what it says in the comments. You can say Grant's a smelly bastard. You can say Aaron's a good-looking bastard. Aaron's a dick. And yeah, you can say what you want as long as you rate us five stars. We don't care. Head over to YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, give us it'll give you notifications anytime we go live. Other than that, enjoy your week. Stay safe. We have been long. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. 
So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.